This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Right, welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Rob Breckenridge with you here on a Monday afternoon. You can reach us at 403-974-8255. I've got a few other stories to get to in our time remaining. More time for your phone calls and your texts. But I want to have a conversation right now about uh, emergency medicine. Uh, one review of uh, the book we're about to discuss refers to it as kind of the, the great equalizer. Uh, but obviously there are different situations, different challenges around the world, and it's a uh, very unpredictable and, and demanding job, very important part of medicine, though. A uh, new book is called uh, Life on the Ground Floor, Letters from the Edge of Emergency Medicine. We're pleased to be joined in studio. Uh, James Miskolic is a best-selling author. He's uh, an emergency room physician himself. Uh, he's a member of Doctors Without Borders, has worked in uh, emergency rooms uh, literally around the world. James, great to have you here today. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, and congrats on the book. Uh, so that point about, and it was Andre Picard in the Globe and Mail who, who referred to emergency medicine as, as the great equalizer. And that's kind of the point, one of the points you try to get across in this book. But explain that a little bit further. You know, emergency rooms have a threshold that once you cross them, no matter where you are, whether you're in downtown Toronto or you're in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, it... To the people inside, it no longer matters whether you're a white person or a black person or a Muslim or a Christian or how old you are. What matters is what's your pain on a 10-point scale and you know how much blood have you lost. And that's relevant because, as far as I'm concerned, it's something deeply human mm-hmm. that lives in, that has emerged in those places. And uh, something that inspires me to continue to explore the reason, not just how can you meet the great needs that occur in other places, but the big question of why does it look so different in places like Ethiopia than it does in downtown Calgary, downtown Toronto. Right. So that's, you know, how I navigate through the book, exploring those themes. Right. So you, you work, now primarily you work in an inner city uh, hospital in Toronto, right? Yes. Uh, but you do a lot of work around the world. Yes. Uh, and, and how did you get into that side of it and, and going around to, to all these different countries? You know, I, I grew up in, in around Edmonton, you know, in northern mm-hmm. Alberta. My family lived in the country. I wasn't really exposed to too much of the world until... I, during my medical school years in Calgary, I traveled to work in Chile, the public system in Santiago, Chile, and I realized how much poverty and sickness liked each other. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing this man there, his hands were so heavy with gout, he couldn't hold a coffee cup, and I'd never seen anyone like that before in my, uh-huh. you know, my medical school, and I thought, well, you know, just at this formative time where I'm being taught... You know, it's my duty to take care of sick people no matter where they are. You know, if someone on the plane says, is there a doctor on board? doesn't matter what time of day or night. You're supposed to stick up your hand. Yeah. Well, I'm supposed to be taking care of the sick ones. They seem to be in other places. So when I was deciding what kind of doctor I was going to be, I knew I wanted to be that doctor. Yeah. So, you know, from that to, to MSF and to Ethiopia. I mean, obviously, every, I mean, every part of the system has its place, right? Uh, but I mean, you know, emergency room positions are really on the front lines and you don't know what you're going to deal with. And it can be all kinds of different situations. So, I mean, how do you need to approach it as a doctor? You know, I, I, I listed in the book is like the spiritual practice of no preference. So if I pick up a chart <laughs> yeah. and I just go with whatever's the next one. And there's a temptation like, oh, I kind of wouldn't mind. I've seen three people with back pain. I don't want another back pain or right. whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you can get rid of that voice and just pick it up and be as much as possible the doctor that person needs you to be. That's a good way to work on yourself. Is a good way to work on myself. So there's that thing that, that that part has become a very strong aspect of my career is, 
using the ER like a like a crucible for for work self improvement almost. I mean, not not that it's all self focused, but I know every time, for instance, I have a dissatisfying pa- encounter with a patient, it's usually something I brought into that room because <laughs> they brought in a, a question or a concern, and if I, it doesn't go well, it's because of something that I brought in there. So it, it's 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 a way to to stay true to what I. You know, we talked about earlier that that deeper motivation. But it does. I mean, it does amaze me. I mean, if you know, if you have a doctor who's who's a specialist, right? So they know they're working within a certain area, or even you know, a, a doctor seeing a patient that you know has an appointment knows ahead of time what, what that patient's coming in for. That you got to react immediately. You know, you, you're on your toes constantly. It seems. Yeah, you know, it's probably you know, TV shows like ER are very so well edited. You know, they yeah. they put all the <laughs> exciting stuff right smack against each other. But you know, it's not obviously all like that in in, in the emergency room, no matter mm-hmm. how how chaotic it can be. But there is that um, necessity to make quick decisions in a person's best interest, and that's where the 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 exciting parts from our our, our side uh, happen, um, and you just I think the way to to do it well is to be able to find that 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 motivation again for doing whatever that person needs you to do at that time. Sometimes it's like you know cut into their chest. Sometimes it's um, reassure them, tell them that you know they know the insomnia if that's what they came in is 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 not going to kill them. It's mm-hmm. going to be okay. Talk to them about you know whatever you know about that topic, but you're right. You never know exactly what, what it's going to be when you, we get that uh, next right. part. Well, yeah, I mean, we as Canadians, we have a reputation that we get a runny nose, we go to the emergency room, which mm-hmm. is, and it, maybe that has to do with, with problems in the, in the healthcare system where we don't have doctors, but I mean, is, is that something unique to Canada? I don't suspect you'd see that in, in Addis Ababa. You know, you don't, and I think it's just uh, an absolute lack of, of of options for a lot of the people we see in Ethiopia, those people would simply be turned away okay. because there's not enough capacity for us to deal with. You know, probably even like a broken arm. It's be rare. Uh, be, okay. You'd have two badly broken legs because that's the that's the acuity level of of the injured people in the public system there. Um, but you're right. You know, a lot of people come to my ER in downtown Toronto with with a common cold, and I truly maybe at once. St- truly try to have no judgment for what because no one really wants to be there there's an opportunity for me to to reassure them or tell them something about their their body that they may not know um but the populations are quite different well let's talk a bit more about what then the healthcare system is like in in a country you know like like ethiopia uh, for example where i mean even the hospitals themselves would they in any way resemble hospitals we see here the principles are the same. So if you take a look at the emergency room, you know, since we started working so closely with uh, Black Lion Hospital, that's the public uh, hospital in Ethiopia, we're, we're heavily engaged as a teaching hospital. Um, you know, we helped them set up a triage desk, which is that first course look of, how, yeah. how, you know, is your is your abdominal pain the same as that other person's abdominal pain? If so, is it an important difference? And so, you know, that's a, a primary, a primary um point that I think is, is, is shared. And, you know, there's a sequential number of beds, unfortunately, and St. Mike's where we very have a very meticulous tracking system. Sometimes because of actual crowding and space, we don't know all the people in the ER. Most of them have been seen, but sometimes people are maybe lying on the floor or, or arriving without much uh, uh, advance notice. And, you know, as it turns out in, in a lot of these places, it's necessary to involve the family as advocates. 
And um, so that's why you have to be doubly careful to keep an eye out for people who don't, who are that vulnerable. They show up really sick without a family member. So you have to have this constant, constant like second long look around you at all times where in Toronto, I can absolutely trust my nurses to say, hey, that person's, someone that's brought someone into bed too and they look really, really bad because we're this finely integrated team. And that has yet to fully emerge in, in Black Lion. Well, then when you have, I mean, impoverished countries, impoverished citizenry, I mean, who's, who's, pay, who's footing the bill for, for healthcare? You know, it's hard because, uh, you know, the, many people in, in that part of the world, in Ethiopia um, and places like it, are subsistence living, you know, daily to make enough food, to make enough money to get food to get through the day. So a health crisis is the biggest because it's common. Like say you fall ill, your child does. You don't run to the hospital right away because you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's eventually it could cost money. So you kind of hope that it's not going to worsen, but it does. So now the person's sicker. So now you must go to the hospital yeah. and you, you're not going to be able to work that day and you need money to get there. So you borrow some from your friends who do this a lot for their friends. And now you have a debt. Perhaps that person falls sick you spend your last remaining dollars on trying to keep that person well. It doesn't work. And now you're indebted and you've lost somebody. And uh, so what happens then those, you know, the billion people a year that climb above the poverty line, a billion people pretty much a year fall below it. And the biggest reason is a health emergency. So that's wow. the social mission to some of the backdrop to this book. Right. So, I mean, you know, there, there's certainly that's something we take for granted here. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, obviously, I mean, whether it's downtown Toronto or... Uh, you know, some of these other countries who worked at, I mean, you know, the one thing about the emergency room is that bad things can happen. And people come in with life-threatening situations and you do what you can. Sometimes it's it's not enough. Mm-hmm. How do you compartmentalize that? Um, you know, you don't. I, I, I think that there's a temptation to do that, but it's, in my opinion, a mistake. At least it is for me. Yeah. You know, the more that you put up that metaphorical wall that people talk about between a doctor and his patient, I think you miss out on that very human exchange. When someone comes in and they're sad or their family is sad, I think it's okay to be sad too. In fact, I think it's really important to be sad. Yeah. And, you know, you because you, guess what? That hard stuff makes it in any way. Whether you're honest about it is, is, is a different story. You know, I often say like, you know, you're driving on, you know, the, the crow foot, Someone cuts you off and gives you the finger and your child says, dad. And you say, what? You're not mad at your kid, right? Yeah. You're just feeling this emotional hangover from something. So right. it's real. So telling someone that their daughter has died, that should make you sad. And if it stopped, I think you really need to take a careful look about how, how well you're able to be fully you know, engaged in your job. Was that to say, though, that the rewarding side of the job can that it's the counterbalance to that? Absolutely. Because you would think that those, those kinds of, those tragedies and, and you're not being able to save someone or having those conversations, that that would take a toll. It does. You know, it definitely does. And, and you know, I, I remember not long ago I was uh, in the ER and, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to be grim, but this type of thing happens there. And I saw uh, a person who'd been crushed to death, a young person at a uh-huh. construction site. And his... Uh, you know, he was dead when he arrived. It was nothing I could have done. And his, but when I went to see his father, his father said, of course, how is he? And I said, oh, he's, you know, he's been killed. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible news to deliver to somebody. <laughs> that's heavy. Right. Yeah. I felt that heaviness very much. But in that moment, 
uh, it was just the two of us and he needed me too. He needed right. me to be there with him and, and he needed to know that I, I understood how, how this, what this moment meant. Yeah. And if I didn't, if I, then we both would have, there would have been something missing from that exchange. And I think if you're able to do it, it can, you can, it can, you can let that type of thing renew you rather than just beat you down and beat you down and beat you down until you can't take it anymore. Right. And, right, and it's, <laughs> I'm certainly not trying to convey to anybody that this is a, a grim kind of book because it's, it's the opposite, right? right. And, and you're talking about those, those joyful moments and those, those connections and, and why this matters, right? I mean, it's, it's quite the opposite. I mean, it's meant to be a, a more of an inspiring book. Yeah, very much. And, and, you know, the life that comes through the ER is, is, is as beautiful and vibrant and full of it as, you would ex- as, as exists outside of it. And just this very interesting window into, into a, a facet of our life. Because for you, and, and you were talking out the air about how, you know, the process of writing is a very personal experience, right? And, and to you, and this is, you know, I mean, this is a memoir, you're talking about things that you've gone through. And, uh, but what do you want people to get from it? I mean, you're, you're writing for an audience still, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think that I, my favorite thing to do is, uh, or what I've tried to do in my, my, these two books is like introduce someone to a place, say it's the ER, take them for a journey around, in this case, you know, to from the body to the system that cares for the body to the global system of humanitarianism and slowly circle back to the same place where you started at and then see if it looks any different and but you've all you've done is increase improve their understanding yeah. or shown them a part of the world that, that that you know very much about and hopefully you know my what's happened to me is being faced with these challenges health challenges and you're right a lot of times the common cold it's not the not the, the <laughs> other thing right um it's 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 has to, when as you reflect on these 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 deeper questions about you know what is it to get sick what is it to, what is it to die you know the answer that comes back is well what is it to be fully alive right. you know to to tell the people in your life i care about them and to speak the truth every single time to live my deepest values and have integrity and, and try to be uh, better. Um, that's what ends up mattering to me. And that's what, you know, has so much uh, given me this, this sense of renewed appreciation for my position as a, as a physician who's there to help people. Yeah. Well put. The book is called life on the ground floor letters from the edge of emergency medicine. James, thanks so much for coming in here today. It's been great. My pleasure. There you go. That's Dr. James uh, Muscolic life on the ground floor is the book. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We're back with more right after this afternoons with Rob Breckenridge starting at 1230 on news talk, 770 Calgary.